1: Welcome to Inside Voices. I'm your host, Kevin T. Porter. My guest today is Alex Goldman. So if you're listening to this, you've heard or at least heard of the podcast, Reply All, a podcast from Gimlet Media, hosted by PJ Vogt and Alex Goldman. In theory, it's a show about the internet, but it's really about everything. Relationships, scams, memes, voting laws, memory. It's one of my favorite shows, and Alex is a huge reason why. So let's hear what he thinks about his own voice.
0: Uh, <laughs> this is, that's such a tall order. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my voice, to me, sounds like a person who has who is on their way to losing their voice <laughs> is kind of whiny it's simultaneously like whiny like a public like like nasal like a public radio person's voice, but not quite ready for public radio. I am laying out all
1: of my security. Wow, no, this is what I want. This is what I was looking for tonight when I came. <laughs> This is so hard It's tough right to come up with an adjective for my voice. Well, does it feel narcissistic or does it feel just painful and you don't like it and you don't want to look at it? It's like it's it's it feels like painful. Mhm. <laughs> to
0: so thank you. You're all It also feels like um like it's laying bare a lot of things that I'm actually pretty insecure about. Mhm. Because Part of the reason I keep doing this is because I believe that one day I'm going to feel like I do a good job and I'm not going to feel uh, constantly, uh, constant self-doubt about making radio.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you felt like you've done a good job before. Surely you have. I have. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That always is just supplanted almost immediately by like, well, that's it. That's the best one. It's all
1: downhill. I felt that too. (laughs) Not about you, about me, where it's like, oh, I feel really good about that. I'm done. I was like, okay, I guess I die now. Or like literally thoughts like that. But surely you've had like consistent, however you want to measure it, success or satisfaction or just like working with people that you respect and trust on things that you believe in. Enough to know, enough weeks or enough months or years in a row to know that it's not just a, a fluke of nature, right? I've been really
0: lucky and I work with amazing people. I know that it's not just a fluke, but there is a not small part of me that's like, yeah, you're successful because you have eight coworkers who drag you across the finish line every oh, episode.
1: I think uh, I would describe it as curious. You have like a curious voice oh, when I hear, it. like, like literally the sound of it is like, oh, that guy wants to know more. And maybe that speaks to, like, the, your persistence of character as exhibited on, like, the shows you do and even just knowing you in our relationship. But it sounds like you're a person that's not quite satisfied with whatever the face value answer is and wants to dig a little deeper into the thing.
0: I like that. Yeah? Are anything we with that? Anything to, like, having, ha- stop having to come up with adjectives for <laughs> well, it. Well, <laughs> you know, like,
1: literally everyone we've had on the show so far goes to a negative placement with it. It's like... Not at all the, a unique or uncommon phenomena for that to be the case.
0: I mean, the thing is that if you have to listen to your voice all the time, all you hear are your terrible tics. The way I say basically at the beginning of every fucking sentence. <laughs> um, the incredible inability I have when I'm asking a question in an interview to actually string together a coherent sentence. Because I'm so nervous, usually when I'm doing interviews, that I, they... It's usually just a string of garbage, and I'm amazed that anybody answers any of my questions. So
1: you feel like you always have to save that stuff in the edit, and it's only through like, I mean, cutting that's tape not, that, that you get it? It's not always the case, but it feels like it's the case a lot, yes. Yeah.
0: I'm not a good musician, but I've always loved music and been musical. I've always had a good ear. I can't play piano very well, but I can pick up songs pretty easily if I hear them. And I love to sing, which PJ hates.
1: <laughs> Do you try singing to him a lot? I don't
0: remember this part of the show. I don't know. I just like uh I just uh just around the office just sing sing around the office and stuff. yeah, so it's always an instrument you've enjoyed using mm-hmm I'm, I'm also come from a, like a family of loudmouths so we're we are all constantly bellowing like at every social function, you know what I mean My grandparents are, they are Jews in like the Woody Allen, of like the Woody Allen tradition. Like, you know, in Annie Hall, when he lives under the roller coaster, like his parents in that remind me a lot of my grandparents. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you got like some of their more boisterous tendencies growing up. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny because you don't strike me as the boisterous one. Do you know what I mean? Like in whatever the scenario or the, the social situation would be. Yeah. Yeah. You're I guess. I, I do feel like I, the
0: thing that I'm constantly being told at work is like, can you quiet down? You, yeah. Truly? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't imagine that at all. I guess that, you know, there is a certain amount of me presenting when I'm on the radio. But like... Yeah. You always seem so restrained. I guess that if there's a moment when I feel impassioned about something on the show, you can hear me being like... Like, God damn it, PJ, don't you understand that I'm feeling this way about it? And blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's much more easy to be off the cuff and passionate when you're not in front of a microphone.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But even in that, even in, like, the the little act out you did just now, I wasn't like, oh, wow, he's yelling a lot. Like, there seemed to still be some sense of, like... Control to your like volume and timber and I think some people are good at yelling without being loud about it If that makes sense.
0: I actually had a conversation with my coworkers today where they were like,
1: why are you yelling? And
0: I was like, don't you understand that this is just who like who I am and where I came from? Yeah, like this is just the volume of my voice when I'm having a conversation. I'm not angry and I don't even consider myself yelling, but if I am yelling, I'm sorry, but please understand that what I'm saying I'm just saying because I believe it not because I'm mad
1: After graduating college, Alex moved to New York City and worked in IT for five years, which he was good at, but didn't particularly care about. He cared about something else.
0: I I really wanted to do journalism, and I really wanted to do radio journalism. It was all I was listening to. It was what I believed in. I applied for an internship at WNYC at a show called On the Media. called my dad, and I was like, Dad, I got this opportunity. I really want to take it. And he was like, don't do it. It was a mistake. He was like, it doesn't pay anything. There's no path to employment. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, fuck. And then my bosses, I told my bosses I wanted to take this job. And they were like, well, we'll give you a $14,000 a year raise if you stay. And I was like, uh, well, double double fuck. <laughs> and then I called my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, but my wife. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, just do it. It's so silly that you would, it like, this is what you want to do. We'll be fine. Just go do it. And so I did. And when I started working there, no one told me like who the boss was. So I was just like, oh, this good. He's, he's one of the bosses. He tells me what to do. And PJ also was not told who the boss was. So he was like a contract employee and there were full-time producers and he just kind of was like, I don't know who, who I'm supposed to be taking orders from. And we both felt like a little out of our element. He was pretty young and I was pretty young to radio. We didn't know shit. <laughs> we didn't know anything. So we found it in one another Both people who are like new to public radio to new to WNYC, but also like very quickly realized that we had similar taste in culture and senses of humor. And I would say like PJ has terrible ADD and is not good at keeping track of stuff. Part of the job of being in public radio is like you have to find that clip that was on Bill O'Reilly and you have to send it to the boss and... You have to make sure that you have the prep and the right location and blah 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 blah, and like I was able to help him with that, and he conversely was able to help me with like story generation because I that's not really my strong suit. We were on the media for three years, and then three years in, the WNYC did a contest where they were like, "We are going to let everybody in the building. It doesn't matter if they are radio related or not. And everybody from like the fundraising to the the front desk person can submit a pitch for a, for a show. And if we like it, we'll make it. We pitched an internet show. But our idea of an internet show was like, it would come out like four times a week and it would be like a, uh, an internet news show. And we got to the final five, but we were not picked as one of the shows. And our boss said like, hey, if I don't pay you any more, if uh, you are working only in your spare time, do you want to make this show? And the premise was she was going we were going to like revamp the website. We were going to be writing articles for the website. I was going to be producing on the media simultaneously and we were going to make the show together. And it was called TLDR and it was sort of like the baby version of the sh- like shambolic child version of of reply all. It was a show about it was internet stories and it was told in a very similar way, but sometimes the episodes would be like six minutes long or eight minutes long and um it came out once a week for a year it was amazing like it was an amazing opportunity and again like no one was telling us saying no to us and we got to try weird stuff and we got to make mistakes and i if I hadn't had the opportunity to make that, first of all, Reply All never would have sh- would have been made because Alex Bloomberg, who started the company we work for now, never would have hired us. But second of all, like I wouldn't know how to make radio, like I wouldn't be good at it. And it's it, I learned just by making a, a mediocre show that has some episodes that I love. The opportunity was amazing, and um, but it's definitely not the show I would make today.
1: I don't know. If you've gone through this with other stuff like music, but sometimes when I like something so much, like as a medium or as whatever it is, even like an individual, like movie or song or television show or piece of artwork, sometimes I get frustrated by the idea of like, oh, that exists. And it feels so outside of myself of like, oh, I couldn't make that if I wanted to. And then there's like a different kind of affection I have where it's like, oh, that's like incredible or you like esteem something so highly and to the point that it catapults you into the ambition of wanting to create it or be a peer or be alongside of it. Was there something about that radio journalism stuff or just like the, that taste palette of shows that made it feel accessible to you that you could do it too? I didn't really think I could
0: do it. I kind of thought, I was like, I'm going to probably end up working on like a daily call-in show And i'll be a producer there and that'll be like a fine career for me and i'll have fun doing it because i like radio i i I feel like if i hadn't met pj my co-host i wouldn't i wouldn't have dreamed any bigger because pj his first gig was as an intern at this american life and immediately he was like just just like this i know what i want i want to do radio i want to do it on my terms and i want to do it exactly how i want it to sound And again, this whole thing has sounded very self-effacing, and I'm sorry, but PJ I think of as like a a once-in-a-generation talent. Like he knew what he wanted to do, and he knew how to do it, and just had the brain for story and the brain for audio, and he's an incredible editor. Having him as a partner is, I think, what made it possible. If there's someone standing beside me being like, we can do this, then I'm like, yeah, we can do this. And if it's just me by myself, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrible at networking. I'm like, just not a person who goes out on a limb very much. Like, I've always had relationships in my, like, my whole life where like, I like to be around a brilliant, slightly crazy person who will push me in the direction of the thing that I want to do.
1: Let's take a break from Alex Goldman's curious voice, and we'll be right back with more Inside Voices. Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome back to Inside Voices. So in 2014, PJ and Alex teamed up to start Reply All. And it was exciting because at Gimlet, the podcast network Alex Bloomberg founded that year that Reply All was a part of, there was no style guide, no best practices. It was entirely up to them to make something exactly the way they wanted to.
0: Once we got to Reply All and it was like, oh, this is our show, we can do whatever we want. At that point, I, I was like, me hungry. I'm gonna just consume every every idea I have. I'm going to like really shoot the moon and go as wild as I can. And it also helps that our executive producer, whose name is Tim Howard, frequently comes up with the craziest sort of least least straightforward way to get to the end of a story. We'll be like, well, so here's the question we have. And we think that the answer is if you drive in a straight line and take a right here, you will find the answer. And he'll be like, yeah, but you're going right by this beautiful neighborhood. Just drive through the neighborhood and see what you can see. Stop and talk to some of the people. And it'll take us to places that are like sometimes very uncomfortable, but sometimes really exciting. We did an episode where there was a podcast, 99% visible, that was causing people's car stereos to break. And he was like, let's make a bunch of fake podcasts to test this and use weird characters okay. in the names of them. So the first first podcast we made is called uh, Carrot Space Carrot. You know the carrot, which is about the, the six. the little pointy, the pointy upwards arrow. Yeah. I'm just going to play it for you. Okay.
1: Oh God, we are in Alex Coleman territory. <laughs> That's synth. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Welcome to the, the Carrot Space Carrot, space carrot podcast. podcast. Yes.
0: podcast. Yes. podcast. <laughs> I recorded this in my attic. I feel like this is the ASMR that, like,
1: printers listen to when they're trying to go to sleep at (laughs) night. The
0: The Atomic atomic Red red Carrot has slim roots roots that travel travel forward forward through time.
1: time. You're
0: describing what? The Atomic Red Carrot. We could have just renamed some files, but instead we decided to make, like, five short podcasts as a part of it. And it was so much more work, but it was so much more fun, both as the creator and as the listener, and it made it much more exciting to make. And it made the story much more interesting. And like, that's a Tim Howard idea. I'm totally have the ambition now because I feel like I I have the permission to do it, but it's also, again, like brilliant people around me coming up with crazy ideas. Every once in a while, like something magical will happen in the recording of the episode. Where like, we're like, we were like, this is otherwise is a very boring idea, but then we stumble upon something in the room. Like there, was a, there was an episode we did where I talked about how I sit in the shower. I mean, the other thing that I think encourages me to wash my legs is I, um, the one great joy in my life is sitting in the shower. Sitting in the sh- Okay, we're back to, this we're is back t- to normal Alex Coleman's territory. <laughs> Sitting in the shower is the best thing in the world. You just uh. sit down in the shower? Yeah, crisscross applesauce. <laughs> put on a podcast. I don't want... Clean the hell out of
1: my legs. One of my little interior goals for this <laughs> was to not have a vivid <laughs> mental image, and I really have it
0: now. No. So just like... This is like... Of all the years... The people in the room were like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And then they were like, we've tapped into some like universally understood thing that like Alex is doing something weird. And I was like, whatever. And then the more people who were brought into the editing process like i realized like oh it this is the moment that makes this episode this is the special moment in this episode and when it came out like it's still a thing where anytime like like there was a video of a dog in the shower that people kept sh- kept sending me not too long ago being like look it's sitting in the shower just like you like that is a that is like a, a an iconic moment in the reply all history and it was really just like alex says i sit in the shower during the middle of a conversation it Mm. wasn't something that we had planned at all
1: well that's what i like about you alls show is because it doesn't feel there are certain shows that are great for what they are but do feel a little antiseptic to the idea of that sort of spontaneity being able to inform like oh this is the best part of this thing or to be able to like shape the direction of the rest of the episode or become like the appeal point but that there's still enough i don't even know how you guys would describe it or um, term it, but like enough camaraderie or banter that exists in the room to like create life around whatever the thing is. It's almost like a cooking show where it's like truly, (laughs) truly it is like a cooking show where you're like making a dish and that's the story and it's turning out however it's turning out. But then you guys have to talk to each other while it's like in the oven for an hour or while you're basting it. And like that becomes as much a part of the appeal of the show.
0: I would say that my favorite part of the show is like the meta show, which is that we're journalists. We do a lot of reported stories where we ask people questions and we do interviews and we do 10 interviews for this show and some make it in and some don't and there's tons of editing and blah, 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 blah. blah. And on top of that, like grafted on top of that is this relationship between two guys and one of them has kids and he has some difficulties as a a parent and the other one has, uh, you know is doing certain kind of therapy and one of them's depressed and like all of those things are the are the like meta story of reply all and that is my favorite thing and that i think is the thing that touches a lot of people the most Mm -hmm. and i would never want to make a show that's not us talking to one another even though we do occasionally do episodes where it's just one of us or someone else one of the things that we didn't realize when we were making the show when we started was that we should talk to one another on the air if you listen to the first 20 episodes or so, there's very little interaction between the two of us. And again, it was Tim, our executive producer, who came in and was like, why aren't you guys talking on the air? You're funny in the room. Why don't you just go into the studio and record it? And we were like, "That's, that's people are going to be annoyed by it. No one's going to want to listen to it. But actually, that's that's like what people come for a lot of time. Fully. in our relationship.
1: But there is a funny tension there, too, in the sense of like that being one of the main points of access and appeal for people being the thing that's in some ways, uh, the, how do I frame this? Like the least effortful thing in the show, the thing that's not reporting the thing that isn't like field recording or tape or like a well edited interview with an expert on XYZ that is like you two in the room. And that being so analogous to like, you know, not to bring it up as another comparison point again, but like, west coast stuff and west coast like roundtable podcasting and i do wonder if there's any sort of frustration with that because i think if like if i spent like 12 hours in the car and then got on a plane to talk to a guy and then like we use like five minutes of the interview and like people care enough about it because they care about the show but then people just like it when i'm talking to my buddy if I would think like, well, then should I just do that for the most part? And reply all would not be the show that it is without that. But do you go through that? Do you ever think about that stuff? Occasionally, when we really when we're really up against a wall and we put something out that like
0: we ended up recording very quickly uh, and it and it ends up doing very well. People, the response is really good. We do occasionally look at each other and say, like, why don't we just do that? But I don't think we'd actually enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. Um for me it's like did you watch Westworld? Yeah. I, I I watched through halfway through the second season and there's this part where they like leave Westworld and go to Samurai World or whatever. Like granted, we are nominally a tech show, we do stuff about the internet, but like I get to go live in a different culture. Every week, every time I do a new story and like meet new people, learn about new systems and learn about learn about sort of like new universes. I got to go to fucking India and meet the people who are making scam phone calls to me. Like I I get to do all kinds of I would never give that up, even if it were easier to make a show where it's just me and PJ talking to one another.
1: Yeah. And there must be some sort of. It could be almost dystopian, one, to, like, monetize a relationship like that, where it's like, well, it's me and my friend, and everyone's interested in us, right? Which I guess is what so many people do. Right. But then, two, the, like, kind of tension and release of going to the world that you're speaking of, whatever the world may be that week, mm-hmm. then coming back home. And if you stayed if – if a person stayed at home all of their life, they would hate their home, but if they go out – and do interesting, stressful, amazing, horrible things, and then come back, they feel home is much more of a safety and a shelter and can enjoy it more. And there are
0: occasionally times where there's a story that feels special or unique, or it doesn't necessarily fit the format, like it's too serious for us to be silly, or it's just too expansive or too technical, or it just doesn't have a lot of inroads for us to have a conversation and we'll do it as a, as one of us one of us will do it or you know producers pitch stuff and they'll do stories like i'd say some of our best stories have been produced by Emanuel Jochi and Shruthi Pinimani and uh, Damiano Marchetti people who are not who are not us I would say the thing that I that most frustrates me is there. I feel like there is an idea in the world that there is a real Reply All story and like a fake filler Reply All story. And the real ones are when Alex and PJ are there and they're solving a tech problem or learning something weird about the internet. And the fake ones are when they're not doing something that's necessarily internet related, or it's just one of them, or it's someone else. But like, they're all real sto- Reply All stories. They're all the product of this team who makes the show every week's incredible curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of shows where it's done in service of the host. It's done in service of the person who runs it. Uh, And usually there's like a structure at the top that is sort of the, the creative brain behind it and the host behind it. And everybody else is told to like sort of do their bidding. And I think that Reply All is very different from that because we all care about the thing we make and we all are open to each other's opinions. And, I mean, there is still there are still people driving it. I think PJ, Tim, Shruthi are people, and Damiano are the sort of people who have the incredible editorial brains of the show. But, like, Shruthi and Fia have been here since the first year and they're both amazing producers and reporters. Emmanuel, who joined the show last year from Serial, is an amazing reporter. And Jessica and Anna, who have both been here now for uh, over a year. I need to double-check that. Almost two years, I think. Are both just, like, amazing producers with, like, bottomless appetites to just make things better and are totally happy to worry over the smallest detail. It's like an incredibly talented group of people that has only grown and rarely shrunk because we all enjoy each other's company and love each other. Which yeah. Which is so lucky and so difficult to pull off. If there's a reason the show is great, it's because of all those people.
1: And because of you. And because of you. All right. Fine. Yes. See? Oh, this is so <laughs> much... Man, I feel like I spend so much time in these episodes on this show, like, just... Trying to convince people of that as a fact. <laughs> like, honestly, like people that you know and love and respect too, where it's like, yeah, you made, you did a good thing, or like you are a talented person. And I know you're not like, you know, insane about it or think that you're like a worthless piece of garbage or anything, but like it is like vulnerable to have to like own that and stare it in the face of like, I'm proud of what I do. It is a team effort. I am a part of that team. Yeah, I, uh, I am proud
0: of it. Yeah. I've been, I've actually been going through some um i've i've had a i've had sort of a, a depressive winter i've talked about it a little on twitter um where i i have low self esteem to begin with i think but uh this winter and i don't know if it's seasonal affective disorder or if i have sort of need need uh, i'm i'm getting my medication adjusted but like uh it's been very tough for me this year to this winter to feel like proud of anything i do and so it i appreciate you saying that
1: yeah I mean, is it literally because of the seasons or? I don't know. You know,
0: I'm going to, I'm taking, I'm doing CBT. I'm changing my meds. I'm just trying to like do all the things that a responsible person does when they are stressed about their uh, well-being. I mean, it's probably that I don't get enough exercise also. And I have two kids, so I don't get enough sleep. But yeah, it's been a tough winter for, (laughs) for my self
1: image. Yeah, no, I get that. No, and I hope me screaming at you that you've done a good thing <laughs> <laughs> is like really helpful and really Shut good for your ego. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, now I see it. Now I see what <laughs> you're talking <about. laughs> For a relationship like PJ, this is more just for me though than the show at this point and as will the next few questions be. But just in the sense of like someone you've worked with for seven years now, is it seven? Ten. It's, it's, ten, it's been oh. ten. It's been ten years you've been working with PJ. How do you protect that relationship? It's hard.
0: It's changed a lot in the time that we've known each other. I mean, uh, we used to hang out all the time. That doesn't happen as much anymore because, you know, I, I live in New Jersey. I have a family. Uh, PJ still lives in Brooklyn. Um, you know, we have had definite ups and downs. I think the thing that makes it work is remembering how grateful I am to have him as a partner. It could be anybody that I was a partner. <laughs> I could be partners with anybody. But like having like a genius who uh, is funny and who wants to see me succeed as my partner is really, really good. And I don't always agree with him. And I fight with him a lot. And sometimes I think he uh, can rid me in ways that are annoying. And um, he has the shit-eating grin when he's like pulled a prank and thinks it's really funny that I find really punchable. But remembering to be grateful is a huge way to do it.
1: And also therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the easy comparison point I want to make right now is like brothers.
0: It's the, It's like that. Yeah, I'd say that. I would say that aside from my relationship with my wife and I guess also my relationship with my kids, my relationship with PJ is the most important relationship in my life. Uh, We spend a lot of time together and we have to make a lot of difficult decisions together. Fortunately, we just we generally believe the same thing. And when we don't believe the same thing, it can be really difficult. (laughs) We get through it. Um but there have been there there have been some times where the future of the show has been very touch and go. There was a point where like my life had changed so dramatically because of my family, and our we were getting so ground down by the schedule of the show, and p j was feeling so underrecognized for the contribution that he was making because he was the person who stuck around. He was the person who made executive decisions, even though he hadn't actually moved into a leadership role, which he has since that like. He resented me for not recognizing how hard he was working when I wasn't there. And I resented him for being mad that I wanted to see my family. And, you know, PJ is a person who is much more willing to vocalize this thought, but he would say, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right now, I'm feeling like I just want to quit. And I would never do that because I'm the kind of person who it doesn't matter how many holes there are in the ship, I'll just stay on it until it sinks. But he he would say like i don't know if this is i don't know if this is working and i don't know if i want to do it um which was really scary to me because i was like this is everything i wanted in life this is all i wanted to do is make radio with people who i think are talented and i trust and like it feels very much in jeopardy right now and i don't know how to fix it
1: how did you fix it
0: just by being more generous with one another just by te- just by like realizing like oh he he has this need that I'm not filling, which is like, he needs to, he needs to be recognized as the person who is doing all of this stuff that, that is very difficult that I'm not, that I've abdicated, like that I sort of put down and walked away from when I had, when I, when I started a family, which is like administrative stuff and dealing with the inner, like the, the politics of working at a company and managerial stuff and hiring and shit like that. And, and, he needs to understand that, like, like the only other thing I do, like, the only other thing I do in my life is spend time with my family. That's it. I don't I don't go out. I don't, um, I don't, uh, what else do people do besides go out?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> go on dates. You nope. definitely don't do that. I, I don't even really go to the movie theater. Like, yeah. I, just, I was going like, to ask the last time you saw a movie.
0: I saw Knives Out. And before that, the, la- I can't remember the last time I saw a movie. Okay. And it's just like, like he understood, he got, to, he came to understand like that was my, that was a huge priority for me and I, and I needed the space to do it. When we started the show, there was like no, there was like no stop time for the show. Like we, we would just work until the thing was done. So I was here five days a week till like 10 p.m. And Sarah was like, that's not going to, it's not going to work for me. And Sarah and I were going to couples therapy and the couples therapist was like, well, the problem is that you're at work all the time. You need to be in couples therapy with your work. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, I do need to figure out a way to, like, to come home and be home better. So right now, my deal is Monday through Wednesday, I'm here as late as I need to be. Like, I'm here until I'm done. And then Thursday and Friday, I get home by 6 p.m. And I do bedtime with the kids. And that's been a pretty good deal. It's It's been a pretty good deal. Um, sometimes I can get home early on Monday through Wednesday, but usually I'm here till like, 7 or 8. And it's fine. It's been working fine for years. And... and but it was tough. It was tough to get there. Um, it was tough to get to a place where I could say like, I actually have a heart out on certain days that I get to go see my family,
1: you know? Do you feel like this is the life you want, the one you have right now? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. This is the best. Making this show is a dream come true. It's so much fun. Um, even though a lot of times I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. Even though I vet a pretty tough winter, like I, I, I love making the show. It, it, it's amazing. It's amaz. It's I can do whatever I want basically. Um, I get to follow every dumb curiosity. I get to I get to ask bad people difficult questions, and I get to ask good people kind questions. And I know that there are going to be you know, eight other people who are like very worried about making me sound good and sound smart. (laughs) And, and it really means it's really wonderful. I love it.
1: I'm wondering what the best part of this stuff is, because for some people, I think a lot of the people I talk to struggle with feedback stuff. They just kind of want to be in their own little hobbit hole and do their thing. And feedback is take it or leave it. Whose feedback do you think means the most to you at this point when it comes to the show? (sighs) I don't know. I I
0: definitely have a much more unhealthy relationship with feedback. Like I really love to be praised. So I I love to go. I love to be praised from a distance. I don't like it when people look me in the eye and are like, Alex, I'm so proud of you. If my (laughs) wife heard me say I love to be praised, she'd be like, you're a fucking liar. (laughs) But I do like it when strangers on the internet are like, "Reply all, so good."
1: (laughs) So it really is the the tweets are good because some people are like, "I don't need the tweets," but if my if my peer says, "Good job," and like, can you know, put his hand on my shoulder and say, "I'm really proud of you," but you're saying it's totally the opposite. opposite, yeah.
0: For me like people people in my life being like you did such a good job it just feels like looking into the sun like I just want to look away
1: so this is a nightmare right now
0: this <laughs> show <laughs> you've really been putting me through the
1: motions right? I know I feel a little bad about it and
0: then a little not <laughs> um but uh at the same time like I take every criticism so personally and a couple weeks ago we did an episode that pissed a lot of people off and it was very tough which one uh, we did an episode where we had a guy on who was like, I think I found the cure for baldness. We did a call-in show and this guy was like, I think I found the cure for baldness. And we were like, what is it? And he was like, I can't tell you. And we went back and forth like that for like 10 minutes. And we were like, this is amazing. This like strange person who's so (laughs) convinced that they found the cure for baldness and won't tell it to us is incredible. Like that is the story. The actual cure for baldness doesn't matter. What matters is how strange this call is. So we were really excited about it. And then I kept talking to him over the course of a couple of days and he was like, look, I'll tell you, but you have to beep it out and you can't like air it on the show. So, so I was like, sure. So we signed a contract with him and we got him back on the show. And then I was, we were, we were like, so what is it? And it, it, we know what it is. And it was broadcast as like, it was beep and people were so furious cuz they were like we hate this guy we hate like how he can't get to the point and how he can't tell us and then at the end you like dangled it right in front of our faces and then yanked it away what's wrong with you and we were like that was the whole the whole point was not to know i was like did you did you watch pulp fiction and get super mad that you didn't find out what was in the briefcase people were really mad about it and i had to like unsubscribe from the reply all subreddit uh. and like and like mute certain words on uh, Twitter I was like this is too much for me people are too mad
1: hmm I have a method for dealing with empathy in in the sense of like not internalizing negative comments but this is true I'm not doing a bit to tie it back to this episode I cannot tell you on the air I truly cannot tell you on the air. When we're done recording, I will tell you what it is. And it's helped me and people I've worked with tremendously for not internalizing or taking criticism too, too harshly.
0: The thing that I learned, so Matt Farley, who's a recurring character on our show, he he writes, uh, he's written over 20,000 songs and he has them all on Spotify and he makes about $40,000 a year just from the royalties from the songs so he has songs about like every city he has songs a happy birthday song for every name lots of songs about poop and pee because those do a lot of do a lot of big numbers i've heard him, but whenever someone says to him what you do is stupid and i hate it and you're dumb and i think that like the music you make is really bad his response is always just incredible, cheer, incredibly cheerfully to say like, I'm really sorry you hear that. I have an eight hour playlist of my music. Maybe that'll change your mind. And then I'll send them the playlist. I, I've tried to take a lesson from that, which is to say like, when people say like, I really hated the episode because of X, I always say like, that was my favorite part. Or like when people criticize this particular episode, I was like, actually it was awesome. And it was really funny. And that guy was super weird. That was my response because I don't know what else to say. Like we put it in there because we really thought it was an amazing call Mm -hmm. i understand why it was infuriating but if you listen to us you can hear us being infuriated too by this very unique and very strange guy and that was the point
1: yeah and it helps with your show actually too working with such a team because there's how many people work on the show at this point there's nine people that gave it a thumbs up right ostensibly at that point so with that criticism it might be a nine against one situation.
0: I feel like people that I really trust and respect in radio were like that was an amazing phone call. And I, at that point I was like I was like okay, so we weren't crazy. But the reply all subreddit for like 3 weeks was just constantly people posting new threads being like what the fuck was up with that? I hated it so much I went on unsubscribe. And I was like, well, oh,
1: what did we do? You I will say the unique thing with you that has not been true of everyone I've talked to In this format is that you are content this really is what you want everything you're doing right now and and the shape of your life and your family life and your kids and your wife there are changes i would make if i could but not to the core stuff right yeah there's things anyone could always optimize but in terms of like on paper and when you think about it this is yeah this is it this is all i want to do that's really awesome (laughs) like that's such a gift right it is yeah it is i'm very lucky so I'm going to stare you in the face and tell you that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alex Goldman, you've made a good thing. You do a good thing. I'm trying to make eye contact. You're good at what you do. You're a talented man that people love and respect, including strangers on the internet. And I think your voice is very good. I love you, Kevin. Thank you. Wow, I love you too. I wasn't expecting that. And I love you. Now I'm blushing a little bit. <laughs> wow. Hmm. What are you doing after this? <laughs> Alex Goldman has a curious voice, and you can listen to that voice on Reply All wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Voices is produced by me and Steve Allman. Our theme music is by Pam Autori. And I'm your host, Kevin T. Porter. Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices.